0: For 30-plus years, I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 140, and I am your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. You know, my goal with every podcast is to help you be the parent you want to be. I interview child and adolescent experts from all over the world to help you understand your kids and why they do what they do. I wanna give you the tools to grow them into great kids and great adults. No topic is off limits. So if there's a subject you'd like discussed, let me know. Again, these podcasts are for you. At the end of each podcast, I'll give you three points to ponder, which are takeaways that you can start using right away. And when you listen to the podcast, please subscribe because every episode contains the most up-to-date, professional help on a variety of issues. PGK is on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Google Play Store. If you like what you hear on any of the PGK podcasts, please join my private community, Parenting Great Kids. It's a private community. You can ask me questions, chat with other parents, and find support from parents struggling with the same issues you are and you'll have free access to every course I've ever created. I'm currently creating a brand new course called How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex. Then I'm going to do one on how to talk to your kids about puberty. And then we're tackling sleep issues in infants. So check it out, MeekerParenting.com, and the private community is parenting great kids. Today, my guest is Dr. Claire Nikogosian. She has a Brand new book, Mama, You're Enough: How to Create Calm, Joy, and Confidence Within the Chaos. Of motherhood, Dr. Nikagoshian completed her undergraduate degree in psychology and early ed, and her master's degree in counseling from Marymount University in Arlington, Virginia. Dr. Nikagoshian completed her doctorate in clinical psychology at the American School of Professional Psychology in Arlington, Virginia. As a doctoral candidate, she completed her doctoral internship at Virginia Tech. Counseling Center in Blacksburg, Virginia. Dr. Nakagoshi is a licensed clinical psychologist and clinical assistant professor of psychiatry and human behavior at Brown University. She's the founder of MomsWellBeing.com, where you can find her writing and her podcast in session with Dr. Claire. Dr. Claire's passionate about well-being and self-care for individuals with a focus on parental well-being. She writes about these topics at momswellbeing.com, mothering.com, the Today Show Community Parenting Team, and at her self-help column, Ask Dr. Claire. I want you now to listen in on a conversation that I had with Dr. Claire Nikogosian. I know you're really going to love this. Well, Claire, thanks so much for joining me
1: on Parenting Great Kids. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to to join you and share some great information for parents. Well, I have to tell you,
0: when I saw your book, Mama, You're Enough, how to create calm, joy, and confidence within the, within the chaos of motherhood, I was very selfishly wanted to learn from you for me because as a pediatrician, I've really been struggling with helping the mothers in my practice. And so I really wanted to pick your brain but I know that the mothers out there need, they need right now exactly what you have to teach them. So um, you're a PhD, you're a psychologist, and you mm-hmm. wrote the book for to help mothers help their kids. And so talk to us about what you know um, and what research shows about the long-term effects of the pandemic on children.
1: Oh right, that's a great question. you know I think we're the, the research on the pandemic and psychological distress and mental health is really going to be very longitudinal, which means mm-hmm. we're going to be studying this for a very long time. Some of the preliminary research that's coming out is showing that parental um, psychological distress self-reported is at all-time highs that parents are really feeling, high levels of psychological distress, anxiety, depression, overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is that makes sense because so many parents are working from home. Kids are distant learning. Um, Even if children are in a hybrid model of learning, there may be ever-evolving, changing um, scenarios where a a whole classroom may be quarantined and mom and dad have to pivot or mom, you know, and there's a lot of stress. So um, we're living in a state of constant um, you know, adaptation mm-hmm. and it's chronic. And so, what we're seeing is our, our stress levels are very high and we're seeing it especially with parents. And when parents report elevated levels of psychological distress, what we're seeing is that then they note that there's, you know, psychological distress in their children mm-hmm. in t- and acting out behaviors. Now, that doesn't mean parents are causing that. It just means that there's a lot on these families. And I feel so protective about parents, you know, in terms of I don't want to add to their guilt. They already have so much on their shoulders. But I want to remind them that taking care of your mental health right now, as hard as it may seem with the limitations of the pandemic, is critical in terms of getting through the longevity of this pandemic.
0: You know, you're absolutely right. And again, I feel very protective of the moms in my practice and the mothers that I write to because the reality is their stress affects their kids. But you don't want them to feel guilty because they didn't they're not responsible for their stress. You know, they di- they didn't ask for it, they didn't bring it on. And so in our talk today, it's really important for me, and I know it is for you, for mothers to just take a big, deep breath and say, you know, we're all in this together. I'm in here with my kids. I'm doing the best I can because mothers are. They're doing the best that they can. Um, So, first, you talk about mothers attending to
1: their own mental health. What should they do for themselves? Well, you know, exactly. And the first thing to do, I want mothers to pay attention to your emotions—that mm-hmm. was one of the driving forces behind the book *Mama, You Are Enough*, which is really a book about emotional literacy. It's mm-hmm. a book about the first couple chapters are all about how do you take care of yourself in motherhood. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of debate right now about self-care. That's something that our institutions and um, other, you know, support systems, families need to help our parents with. But there are self-care skills and strategies that we can do, we have to do, it's an it's an inside job. So the first couple chapters are really about self-care in motherhood. Mm-hmm. and And one of the key components is managing your emotional and mental health, which means you need to pay attention to your emotions. And a lot of times what I've seen is that when in motherhood, we have emotions such as sadness, anger, disgust, guilt, hopelessness, mm-hmm. overwhelm, burnout, frustration, helplessness and hopelessness, we we have this way of saying, oh, nope, can't feel that. Right. And we push that feeling down. Right. And so the book is really about talking about all of these emotions that I called the shadow emotions. Hmm. Because I don't I don't want to call emotions negative. Cause then we start judging ourselves. Oh, I'm having a shadow emo I'm having a negative emotion. What does that mean? I must not love my child. I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. What I like to say is wait let's let's have a new language for this it's a shadow it's casting a shadow in this moment mm-hmm. let's stop let's instead of being reactive let's be responsive and say let's label that feeling what am i really feeling and so the book is all about labeling your emotions um going to that chapter that's 10 pages or less and you're going to learn about skills and strategies about that specific emotion and mm-hmm. Um, that is my joy is to, to help, you know, reach mothers, reach fathers in a way that I, I, I wouldn't be able to do in my private practice. So that's the goal of the book. And mm-hmm. so, so many parents have told me, I, I can't even focus to read a book. It's on audible. Listen to 10 you minutes. Yep. You're going to feel like you've had a session yep. with me. Um, yep. and you know, you're going to feel really good and you're going to walk away saying I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And there's throughout the book, there's a section. You are not alone. hmm But what happens is, and I'm sure you see this in your practice with moms, they come in and they feel so isolated. Yeah. And they judge themselves and they feel like they're failing. And Mm -hmm. this is where I want to say to mothers no, you're not failing. You're under extraordinary circumstances. Life feels like chaos right
0: now to them. Mm -hmm. And I love that you help them sort of tease apart their shadow emotions because. Often with mothers, we feel so overwhelmed with normal life and now so overwhelmed with a pandemic that a lot of times it's hard to know exactly what you're feeling because the anger and the despair and the hopelessness and the frustration all sort of tangle together and then you feel even more overwhelmed. And so uh, how do you teach mothers or, or suggest to mothers that they should... Process the emotions, so we can say, "Okay,
1: I'm feeling anger right now." What do they do with it? Right. That is that's that's amazing. That's amazing to even just label it. I'm feeling angry. Okay. Where am I feeling the anger in my body? Oh. Am I tense? Are my muscles tense? Have I? And this this goes more into detail in 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 the book, but as a quick overview, okay, let's do a body scan. Hmm. Are my muscles tense? Am I clenching my jaw? Has my breathing become shallow? When people get stressed and anxious, we don't take deep breaths. So we actually physiologically create this state of stress because we're not getting enough oxygen. Mm -hmm. So even just, you know, tensing your your muscles for a minute and relaxing them will help your body come down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Focus on something called diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing, which is, you know, putting your hand on your stomach. And taking the deepest breath you can through your nose, Mm -hmm. letting your abdomen expand, holding it for a second, and then exhaling it through your mouth. If we can physically override, like label an emotion and then physically override some of our, you know, body sensations, Mm -hmm. you'll be, you know, it opens us up into problem solving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can be quick. That can be within a minute. Mm -hmm. And one thing I always encourage, you know, clients that I work with and practice in my own life and teach my my daughters, is we can take a minute and we decide how we're going to respond. Because a lot of parenting, when we're stressed and overwhelmed, we're just reacting. We're not thinking. Yeah, yeah. I've been there, done that. So there's no judgment on that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, we're both mothers.
0: (laughs) Yes. We both know exhaustion to the point of wanting to just you know like crawl into bed and never come out. So,
1: yeah, go ahead. So, yes. no, that's perfect. And I it is. It's it's we're all human. And so even with our degrees and experiences and contributions to the world, we can't override that we still go through this process of being mothers and all the emotions that come with it. Um so once you kind of like check in with yourself, you want to say to yourself kind of quickly, what do I need right now? Mm-hmm. If a friend was coming to me, and needed support in this moment, what would I tell them? And sometimes that means you may need to, you know, turn on some music, Mm -hmm. you know, let your child play for a minute, Mm -hmm. um, go to the bathroom, turn on the fan, you know, focus on breathing for a minute, call a supportive person in your life. Um, So when we open up to deciding how we're going to respond, we don't have to feel so paralyzed by our emotions.
0: And I think that's key. That's really important because I think mothers who are constantly focusing on somebody else or some other thing or some other stress um, don't really uh, look at themselves. We're we're always last and we always sort of downplay what we're feeling and we're going through because we don't have time for that. And we we can't. We can't live that way. Um, So... Do you encourage mothers to write or to journal or do, you, or, or do you encourage them just to go through the process you've just talked about?
1: Well, I think it's so different for everyone. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it's, you know, self-care is a word that's been so generalized. Mm-hmm. Self-care looks different for many people, what you have, what works for you, what you have access to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the foundation of self-care, you know, from a medical and, and psychological perspective is really making sure that you're getting enough sleep. Yeah. So we want to create a solid foundation first. When we have solid foundation of sleep to the best of our ability, yeah. where we're staying hydrated, we're not getting you know headaches because we're not nourishing ourselves or eating enough. Um, you know, we want to have a little bit of you know. I like sometimes exercise is negative, a negative negative connotation for <laughs> yeah. people, so yeah. I like to say physical activity. You know, just yeah. get moving yeah. every day. Get get mm-hmm. some fresh air every day. Get in nature. Those foundational skills will help reduce stress. Mm -hmm. Um, The question is then, what is the self-talk in your mind? Because that's part of self-care. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. It is huge. The tapes, the tapes, the tapes. Over and over. And so a lot of women that I support have a lot of negative self-talk, a lot of fears, a lot of judgment of themselves. And what I want to encourage moms listening to do is really talk to yourself in your mind like you would your child or a good friend. And and if you're putting yourself down, you're shaming yourself, you're critical, you're, it's never good enough. Yeah. You know, that's something, that's that's the inside work we do of, Mm -hmm. you know, reframing our, what I call our shadow thoughts. And we want to move those into something that's filled with compassion Mm -hmm. and understanding. Um, So I think that's also really important for moms to do.
0: You know, someone once told me, you know, never say to yourself, whether it's in your mind or out loud, something that you wouldn't say to your best friend. So if I hear myself say, you, I do this all the time in writing. I don't know if you, I have nothing to say. Nothing is important. Always at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Now, I would never say that to my best friend. So why do I say it to myself? you know, or you're a jerk, you don't know anything, you, you're you too fat, you're too, whatever. And yet we do it to ourselves. So how do
1: mothers stop that self-talk? Mm-hmm. Well, I think even just what you said is going to help a mom because she's going to be like, oh, it's not just me. No, so yeah. thank you for saying <laughs> yeah. that. And, yeah. You know, and so really pay attention. Again, this is where you want to pay attention to your thoughts. And you want to say to yourself, ooh, that was... That was really mean. Yeah. What's going on that I would talk to myself like that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, let's find a gentler way, kinder way to talk to myself because no one is motivated through shame. Exactly. And no. we don't we don't motivate ourselves through shame. No. And that's the, so, so that there's something, that's where I think if you notice that your negative thoughts, your self-talk is really critical, like a bully, you know, g- reaching out to a counselor would be great to have this shared space where you can just talk about your feelings, talk about your thoughts, and really have someone coach you through what may be going on underneath a little bit to to kind of work on that. Well, and really going into a
0: counselor sort of like your safe space. Mm-hmm. You can go in there, you can say anything, you can feel anything and know that it's going to stay right in that room, which it does. I I could sit here and talk about this for two hours, honestly and truly, but we need to move on to mothers helping their kids. Yes. Yeah. So, So, and I think this is, it was really important for you to go through that because what you start with yourself kind of practicing, then you move into your kids and help. So what are some of the first things that you tell mothers about, um, Helping their kids and what they're seeing in their
1: kids and, and figuring out how much stress their kids are under. That's a great question. And so, oh, I want to add one quick thing before yeah. I a- answer that. The other thing I'm seeing that's really problematic during the pandemic is the coping skills some parents are using, which is alcohol. Alcohol yeah. sales have skyrocketed. So, also make sure in part of your self care that you really, if you're feeling emotional or feeling more negative um, in terms of your energy or your mood state, Really take alcohol off the table um, because that can create a lot of reactivity in terms of your coping skills. In terms of children, you know, and this is going to be a hard one for parents, but I find myself repeating this a lot. Do not take your child's behavior personally. Mm -hmm. That's really hard. Because it's very hard. <laughs> when the kid looks at you and goes, shut up, mom, shut up, mom, shut up, mom, it's, it's hard not to take it personally. It is. Yeah. And, and and that's where you can say to your child, okay, that's not kind. Let's find another way of saying it. What are you feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Do you need a moment to take a break? Because right now that, that that's hurtful. So mommy's going to go over here. We're going to take a break for a minute. I wonder what you can do. And when you're ready, let's come back and talk about ways that you can tell me how you're feeling, right? Because that shut up is an anger, right? It's coming from anger. So -hmm. something's going on. Um, But I think for for parents, you know, one, it's like know your child's developmental stage and age. And I love sharing the resource. The American Academy of Pediatrics has Mm healthychildren.org. And you can go there as a parent. It's wonderful, short bits of empirically-based research about yeah. child development, and you can look through their ages and stages. What we know is that when children are under psychological distress and overwhelm, they're going to regress. And mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of that in the pandemic where, you know, parents will come in and they'll say, you know, my, my son, my daughter used to be able to do these things. Now they're not. Mm-hmm. Now they're clinging. And why are they being so defiant? Yeah. And that's why I say to parents, okay, that's a moment where maybe you're taking their behavior personally, mm-hmm. but step out of that and be curious. I, I wonder if if my child's behavior right now is not um, defiance, what, what could it be? Could it be anxiety? Mm-hmm. Could it be overwhelm? Could it be stress? Something's going on. So I want parents to shift into being curious about what may be going on with their child um, in terms of their behaviors. Because as you know, you know, children express what they're going through through changes in sleep, changes in appetite, nightmares, Mm -hmm. night terrors, bedwetting, Mm -hmm. um, low self-esteem, not believing they can do something, um, regressive behaviors. um, Also, you know, problems, you know, withdrawing from activities they once enjoyed or withdrawing from, um, peer relationship. so, and relationships, so in family relationships. We want to really be curious about our child's behavior to understand where they are with their distress. I love that because really, what you're trying
0: to do is keep parents from just reacting. Because if we're frustrated and angry, and our kid says shut up to us, our instinct is to go go to your room. And 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 rather than sort of say, wait a minute, this isn't about me. This is. Something's going on in my child, and and my job is sort of dig underneath it. And yeah, it is disrespectful. We can't do that, but what's driving it? And mm-hmm. I think it's so much easier. What you said is that we can be more curious if we say this is a separate person, and I'm not causing everything in my child because I think we do, we feel like we're causing it. And 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 so I I really love that. Um, you talk about and you, it was kind of like. Um, so, you talk about sort of assessing changes in their behavior and mood and watching them, but then you talk about um, recognizing grieving pe- periods and loss of passages of right and, and, and that, or rights of passage, mm-hmm. and that plays into, I bet, all of the changes you just talked about.
1: It really does. And, you know, I think what I'm seeing, you know, in my own home, I have, um, you know, fraternal twins that are seniors in high school, so they're have end of their junior year, senior year has really been disrupted. Um, and my middle schooler, and my fifth grader, you know, all of their school has been disrupted. Mm-hmm. However, what we're seeing in the research is that it, it really is impacting kids emotionally and academically. The ones that go through the transition, so from kindergarten to first grade, you know. Um, mm-hmm from third grade to like um, like fifth grade, if your elementary school breaks up, the middle schoolers heading into middle school, heading into high school, so the ninth graders. But the ones that are being, the groups that are being really impacted are the juniors and seniors. Mm. And that's real for them. And yeah. female seniors tend to be, have the higher rates of psychological distress. So you can't get those rites of passage back. They're gone. And we as adults- Our high school experience, our you know autonomy—that's the greatest time of some autonomy in high school Mm -hmm. as an adolescent. It it parallels toddlerhood in terms of emotional, social, um, physical—you know, independence. You know, toddlerhood and adolescence mirror each other. Mm -hmm. So our seniors, our juniors, our high school students have lost things that cannot be you know uh, taken back, Mm -hmm. and so we have to sit as parents with them and grieve and say, "I'm." I'm so sorry. I, I can't imagine what you're feeling. I know this feels overwhelming. I don't even know what to say. Um, and it is sad. So we want to just create this space where we allow them to feel. Mm-hmm. It's not the time to say minimize their experience. Well, what do you mean? You're upset that you didn't get your sports night, or you should be grateful. Like some people, you know, get COVID and end up, you know, mm-hmm. losing a parent, or some people lose their jobs, or um, it's just a prom. I know it doesn't help it -mm. doesn't help because that kid's Mm -mm. grief is that
0: kid's grief and what kids don't do well is sort of empathize with another kid's grief they're they're like you don't get it mom so I I I love that you say that and also the transition period because the transition from high school to college is huge for a kid it's it's kind of like going to childhood to adulthood Mm -hmm. and you just wonder: Are they going to be able to make that transition if they lose that year?
1: What do you, what do you tell them? Well, listen. I think what I what I tell them is this is compassion. Mm-hmm. This is compassion. I think what you brilliantly have said throughout our talk today is that parents didn't create the pandemic, right? We didn't. <laughs> I, we didn't. We didn't create this, and so yeah. we we really are supporting our children through an enormous loss that we have never lived through in our lifetime. So how helpless is that? Everyone's reacting and responding the best they can. And for kids, in terms of you know, what may happen, like let's say someone isn't prepared mm-hmm. at the end of this year to transition to college, there's no right path. There's no one way. And so as parents, we can open up and model a a sense of flexibility, that Mm -hmm. how would we know there'd be a pandemic? How would we know that schools for colleges would be remote? Um, How would we know that maybe mom and dad lost a job and now there's not enough financial support to go to college? Mm -hmm. So, we want to open up to the possibilities that there's no one right way because when we get in that fixed, rigid mindset, that's when we end up creating more distress for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, what I say to parents, if your child is not ready and you know, emotionally, they're not ready, or you don't you don't feel comfortable with them being autonomous on a campus. You don't know if they are able to handle it. Trust your parental instinct, mm-hmm. and also talk to your child. You know, one of the things I do in sessions with adolescents, I work with adolescents and their parents all the way up, you know, through through elderly um, adults. Is we want to think of that transition that starts the transition to college or you know, vo-tech or whatever they end up doing. Not everyone goes to college. Mm -hmm. Um, Whatever vocation. You want to start thinking in high school about life skills. How do you handle, um, you know, disappointment? How do you show up for a job? How do you take care of yourself? Mm -hmm. How do you regulate your stress levels? How do you open up a bank account and deposit money? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you do laundry? How do you handle when you see a friend going through something That you're worried about so you know we want to think of high school as a psychologist this is what I do is teaching we want to teach and coach and give our kids the skills to be successful so they can be autonomous and and have good decision making in college and if you as a parent feel like your child isn't demonstrating that have a dialogue, have a conversation, start setting some goals so you know that they're going to be prepared um, emotionally, socially, academically to learn and thrive. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation
0: with Dr. Nikogosian. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of my conversation. I'm just speaking for parents here, not sort of playing the devil's advocate because what I found is there there are some parents who fear that if they start talking to their kids about sadness or grief or even fear, they're going to make that feeling worse. What do you say to that parent?
1: Um, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. You're, and I'll tell you why. Children, teenagers, they do a great job protecting us. Yeah. So they do a great job. And children are... So intuitive, and they don't miss a beat. They may not tell us. (laughs) They (laughs) do, yeah. They observe everything, and Mm -hmm. so what you're doing is you're opening up a space of safety, and you're saying, "Hey, I'd like to know. Are you feeling a little sad lately? I've noticed this is what I've observed, Mm -hmm. and own it yourself. I've I've been feeling a little sad. Like the days are one after the other, and we haven't had a lot of fun lately. I'm wondering how you're feeling, Mm -hmm. and open up that conversation because chances are if you create a space for your child and you are curious and you own it and you do it in a way that's kind of um loving and supportive instead of demanding like you seem sad or you're really angry anyone would get defensive right but go for a drive in the car go okay. for a walk bake something you know do a parallel mm-hmm. activity and get them talking and then and then role model what you're feeling you know have you noticed mom's been i've been really tense lately mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm just wanted to let you know that I'm feeling a lot of sadness, and mm-hmm. I am working through. And if you notice, I have been, you know, t- going for these walks and asking you to come because it helps my stress levels. How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. What are you sad about? What's been the hardest thing about the pandemic? What have you learned about yourself during the pandemic? And I love what you say about you
0: know our kids working hard to protect us because I think there are a lot of kids if they see a parent stressed, they want to hide their own stress. And so, if we sort of let out, "I am feeling stressed," you're absolutely right in what you're perceiving, but I, I can take care of it. It's not your job. It's not your fault. Um, and and let them off the hook in their minds because they do. They feel. I see this all the time. You know, mm-hmm. kids don't want to let their feeling their parents know how they feel because they're just they're protecting them. You. Talk about something too. You talk about holding our kids accountable, but relieve
1: pressure for them. What do you mean by that? Right. So what I mean is, you know, we do want to have a framework and a structure of consequence for their behavior, for their actions. You know, we don't want to indulge our children to the point that um, really sets them up for failure when they are in school or uh, you know, school setting or a work environment. You know, mm-hmm. so we want to link an expectation with, you know, their contribution. So for example, um, your, you know, mom and dad go to work, um, or mom's at home and take care of the home, um, and, and things for the, for the kids, your work, your contribution is going to school. Mm. But we also have a couple things. Everyone has to kind of work as a team and we're going to chip in with chores. Mm-hmm. So let's say, and in, in some of the research shows that you know you don't want to overload kids with chores. You want to give them about three to four, because um, if you give too much, then it can be distressful. But you want to say, you know, you're going to clean your room, make your bed, take out the trash, unload the dishwasher, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Feed, walk the dog. Um, those are chores. So you always want to bring those. You know, have, be clear about the expectation about that, and then. You know, when there's behavior that you're concerned about, you know, okay, right now we're not able to do this. The consequence for you not doing your homework, not doing your chores is we're going to have to wait to go do this activity. So you're not punishing, but you're just giving them an opportunity to be responsible. Mm -hmm. And when a child is um, hurtful to a sibling, disrespectful, you know, harming with words, harming with, their body language being intimidating, destroying something, you know, that has to be identified too. Mm-hmm. That you, As a parent, you can't look away and say there's no um, repercussion for that. You know, there's mm-hmm. a consequence for that and your child's likely dealing with something and you want to figure out what's going on um, with your child. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. I'm thinking back to what I
0: said earlier when your child looks at you and goes, shut up, mom. Now, I... I didn't allow that kind of talk in our home because I, I I believe that training kids to speak well and not be disrespectful and rude, particularly to parents and each other, is was very important. So, when you said, um, which was a great point, if your child says shut up to you, you need to be curious and you need to go in and say, wh- you know, why are you angry or are you angry? How are you feeling? Um would it be appropriate then to resolve it and say, I know you're feeling that way, but you know, you can't say shut up to me?
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. you can say, As absolutely, you know, that was not okay. You want to bring your voice down, you do not want to mirror your child's level of anger, right? You want to say, Oh, that's not okay, not mm-hmm. okay to say shut up to mom, mm-hmm. that's very hurtful, you know, and, yeah. and so you say that also as a parent, you want to make sure that all family members are speaking kindly. Mm-hmm. So if there's an older sibling, a parent themselves using that kind of language, you really want to make sure that you're all in alignment with with the value of not name-calling or hurt, being hurtful with words. So I think that's important too.
0: You know, I think I, I, I love that because I think what parents could hear through our conversation is, you know, it's really important to empathize with your child to understand what's going on to watch their moods and so forth. So I just need to give them a lot of grace and act however they want. No, it's not about that. It's sort of maintaining order and boundaries in your home. But within those, allowing your child to just sort of process uh, uh, something very, very different that's going on here. And so I love that. We only have a couple minutes left. Claire, boy, your book is packed with so much. (laughs) It's just packed with so much. Everybody has to read it because this really is a stressful time. We're worried about what's going to happen to our kids. And I think if anything, people could get from your book uh, um, a lot of things, but is to dissipate the fear that they have about what's going to happen. Because once we know and we understand and we're given skills – a lot of that fear goes away for us. So, you know, just a couple minutes we have left. You talk about developing coping me- mechanisms for our kids, but developing coping me- mechanisms for ourselves. How would you, what are the most important ways we can do that?
1: Right, well, again, it goes into categories. Um, and the categories are we want to, you know, really healthy, active cap- um, coping skills that are going to reduce our stress, and you know maintain our well-being so those Mm -hmm. are the foundational skills of self-care sleep eating exercise um physical activity doing activities that you enjoy resting passive coping skills are the ones that really just pass time you know scrolling Mm -hmm. on our phones playing a video game um watching netflix or youtube you know they're they're more passive or just napping every time you get stressed those are Mm -hmm. passive coping skills and then the other coping skills are what we call like avoiding, numbing, or self-destructive, and mm-hmm. those can be what I call like those dopamine receptors that release the chemicals of feel good, immediate. So mm-hmm. shopping or eating or you know some for, for a lot of kids using alcohol or you know vaping, um, something mm-hmm. that physically makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. We as parents want to encourage our children, not punish them. Encourage. Mm-hmm. To have a range of coping skills and to have the coping skills that are active and talk to our kids and say, when you're feeling stressed, what helps you calm down? What helps you feel good? Here's what helps me feel good. Have you noticed that mom goes out for a walk? Have you noticed mom listens to meditation? Have you noticed mom calls her friend? You want to start bringing in that language with your child. Mm-hmm. and let them know, like, let's talk about what works for you. It's a self-discovery of who they are. And it's so important to talk to your kids about their fears, their anxieties, and that maybe they're feeling hopeless, that if they're too passive or they're numbing out, don't be afraid to say, listen, I want to know, are you, are, you, are you using alcohol? Are you vaping? If you are, we need to find out why. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get in trouble. I need to know because maybe this is a coping skill. Mm-hmm. This is the best thing you thought to fix what was going on, mm-hmm. but but it's it could be really harmful and, and hurt you. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. So I just want to encourage parents to have those discussions about consequence later in the heat of the moment when you're having a moment with your child. You really want to be curious, support, understand, and be responsive and nurturing versus controlling and punitive. Mm-hmm kids may be so overloaded and you may be so overloaded that you're not going to be as effective as if everyone's physically feeling a little calmer. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that because um, you know we're apt to say
0: because if we find out our child's been drinking or you know vaping or whatever we get mad and we say ridiculous things like okay you're grounded for 2 months or you can't have mm-hmm. dinner for a month we and I and I and I get it I I understand because parents are too. so angry yeah and so talking them through A. If you give them, if tell the consequence, then it's not going to be very effective. But then circling back and coming around and saying, "Okay, we need to talk about this. I understand why you want to alter your mood. It's perfectly reasonable. But you know, I I can't um, sanction drinking. So you know, here's a consequence for your behavior. I get it. Um, But let's let's help you figure out a different way. So I I really love that. (sighs) it's a lot I know it's a lot it's so good but it's it's so good it's all so good and I know that every single listener out there is going to just soak this up and soak this up and I really would encourage them to listen to this podcast two or three times because each time you listen you're going to take something away and um, (laughs) I just have to admit when you're talking about coping mechanisms. I bought way too many sweaters. That that was that was my thing, and I thought, "What did you just do that for?" But you know, I, I just thought, "Oh, they're on sale. I can do." It was like a game, yes, and, and I thought, I, well, I "Why it. am I doing that?" You know, and. Um, So, that's just, I'm just admitting my guilt to everybody out there. Some people, I have a good friend who gained a lot of weight. Oh, well, she can lose her weight. I can return my sweaters. But, you know, we all are doing the best we can. And so, to give ourselves
1: some grace, you know, is really, really important. So, um, I love that so much. It's so true. And and here's the thing is, it seems absurd now, right? The sweaters. But it's not. It's not, we've all had our own moments and that's mm-hmm. the compassion. Let's look at ourselves with compassion that that we have gone through extraordinary times. It's we're, we're a year now in and mm-hmm. we all did the best that we can. And there's no such thing as perfect. We're mm-hmm. all learning. We're learning how to be resilient. We're learning how to rebuild. And let's just be kind and generous and teach our kids the skills and give ourselves a lot of compassion mm-hmm. um, for, for parenting during this time. Yeah perfect and if parents just do your last
0: sentence they're fine that's uh, just focus on getting the big stuff right you know <laughs> and, and don't get overwhelmed by thinking i need to this and i need to this and i need
1: this. this isn't the time to do that this is not the time when we're in survival mode this is not the time to think about you know a vacation right this is the time to get through each day and i can tell you for 20 years of being a therapist Children love their parents, even when they do the most horrific things in the world. And so, sometimes I want, I want to remind parents that you're, you have a foundation of love with your child. If you've made a mistake, you can repair to the best of your ability and rebuild and, and to be compassionate that, that really, you know, it's a journey. It's not an event. This pandemic's been a long time. And you know, we're all getting through it and we're, we're learning so much about ourselves and one another and just to understand that our mental health is top priority right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Claire, um,
0: you have written um, an extraordinary book and I think everybody needs to go get a copy, Mama, You're Enough, How to Create Calm, Joy, and Confidence Within the Chaos of Motherhood. How can people get hold of you or find out
1: about your work? Thank you so much. Um, so Amazon um, is where you can purchase the book. You can also encouraging parents to get you know, um, the audio version, but you can find me at momswellbeing.com on Instagram and Facebook with the um, handle at Moms You also have a podcast. I do, I do. I have a podcast in session with Dr. Claire.
0: Awesome awesome well you're out there doing the, the great work and encouraging us and I feel so much about my sweater since I've talked to you this so has cool. been wonderful because you know it, it's just helped me understand how to better care for mom so thank you thank you thank you it's been a delight talking to you Thank you
1: so much. It's been my joy and thank you for the work that you do and um, and supporting my mission and, and, and goal just to help as many parents as I can. So thank yeah. you so much. It's been a delight. Thank you. So now onto my points to ponder. One,
0: pay attention to mood changes in your kids. The COVID pandemic has hit kids of all ages hard. While we focused on infections, masks and social distancing, and social distancing something else has been happening under our noses our kids are struggling many kids who have never felt anxiety or loneliness despair or depression suddenly are. Parents can spot these if they simply pay attention to their child's mood. So ask yourself, is your child more irritable, isolating more, less interactive with friends on social media, using weed or drinking more? If so, go to your child and talk. Ask if she's struggling. Ask if being away from friends has been hard. And if so, how has it been hard? Don't back away. Two empathize. Let your child know that he is not alone. You're struggling too. If the pandemic has made you feel sad or lonely and discouraged, talk to your child about it and let them know that you do feel hopeful because the pandemic will end. He can be hopeful too. Encourage him that while the infections will end, it will take a while for him and you to feel like your old selves again. Three, acknowledge loss of rites of passage. You know, not having graduation ceremonies, prom, homecoming, or being able to conduct an in-person college interview has made kids feel robbed from important life experiences. So talk to your kids through that. Let them get angry about it. Also, encourage them that there will be more important events ahead that they'll experience. Reassure them that they're not alone. Hundreds of thousands of kids their age have been in the same boat. While this won't take away from their experience, it will make them feel less alone. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Claire Nikogosian, for joining me on the podcast today. And don't forget to check out her new book, Mama. You're enough. How to create calm, joy, and confidence within the chaos of motherhood. To find out more about her, go to drclairnickogosian.com. That's Dr. Claire with an E N I C O G O S S I A N. Be sure to follow her on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. Just search for Dr. Claire Nickogosian in your internet browser. Now let's recap my three points to ponder. One, pay attention to your child's mood changes. Two, empathize. Three, acknowledge loss of rites of passage. Remember, go to MeekerParenting.com and sign up for my new private community, Parenting Great Kids. I know you're gonna love it. So until next time, parents, always remember that great kids are raised, not born.